0: So I wanted to uh, talk about uh, re- retreats and uh, intensive practice. That is a kind of its role in our practice, and some of the insights that maybe not distinctive to retreat, but some of the important insights that unfold as we practice intensively. Um, How many, how many people have been on, up the hill on a silent retreat or um, some other kind of, you know, residential silent retreat? Okay, great. So in this, in this tradition, in the insight tradition, um, they usually range from a weekend to three months or more. And, um... Uh, mentor of mine, uh, Gil Franzdahl said that uh, said just like there are, you know, natural uh, national parks to honor like the beauty of the landscape, we need retreat centers to to kind of honor the inner landscape and. Uh, you know, I there's some there's some risk in idealizing retreat time as like where the true practice happens. And I, I don't want to do that. Um, I know many people at some point in their path of practice, they get in this like retreat mode where, Sometimes people just feel compelled, and it's very productive. But sometimes people get into a mode where, yeah, I am a self-improvement project, and therapy is retreat. You know, that's where we go, and um, that you know that framework is uh, not helpful. I think. Um, and so we, we do want to find a way of really honoring the day-to-day life. At some level, this is, you know, in our day-to-day life, that's where the fruit of our practice and that's where the motivation, the suffering that we see that motivate us to practice, this is where it arises in our daily life in a way. And we don't wanna get um, into that mode of, of uh, privileging silent retreat above daily practice. And that said, um, there are some distinctive learnings that unfold on retreat. And there are ways in which um, we actually have to pause deeply to to really connect with what it's like to be human I I had practiced um, for I think maybe a couple years and practiced pretty intently you know daily practice and sitting I think at least some some or most of that time for an hour a day and I was just so scared to go on retreat. And, uh, and I kind of knew I had to do it. I like was compelled to, to go into the silence, but I was just frightened. and uh, I sort of had like all of my escape scenarios planned out, you know. Um, and of course, it was different than I uh, anticipated. Getting hot again in here? Is it okay? Yeah, it's warm. Warm. Summoning magically, summoning Katie. Thanks. Um. So I can remember, uh, I can remember kind of trying to plan out what would happen on retreat, like how it would go, what I would learn, what I would let go of, how I was going to suffer, how I was going to get get free, and yeah. But we don't actually know. That's part of the the adventure of it. Um, uh, you know, some people. Some people ask, like you know, you tell people you're going on meditation retreat, and the first thing they think is that it's sort of like kind of a spa sort of thing, like you know, and they're they they're like, oh, that sounds amazing. And then you're like, uh, yeah, we just, we kind of get up at five or six and just meditate all day and don't talk and uh, kind of eat simply. And then they're like, really? (laughs) And they ask, like, quite understandably, like, why? Why? (laughs) As I've been asked, like, many times, like, why would you... No offense, Matthew, but why would you ever do that to yourself, right? Um, and I I understand that, but the question that comes up in my mind actually is um, is you know what what do people think they're avoiding in not going on retreat? what arises in the silence, in the rhythm of practice, of sitting and walking, it is nothing other than our life, than the human condition. And um, it can feel like somehow in not practicing intensively, um, that we somehow get to, get to avoid something. But in an important sense, uh, no, we're actually... um, What unfolds on retreat, we can't... It's easier to, like, fidget our way out of it when we're not on retreat, right? Because we have all of our, you know, distractions and things that we do to soothe ourselves. Like, all of that is, like, right at our fingertips when we, we just the kind of preference that we can exert our preferences, we can, um, we have more influence over the flow of pleasure and pain in our, daily life. But that really kind of obscures the fact that the, this is part of the human condition. And that there's some kind of fatigue that we feel in sort of always trying to kind of um, fidget our way out of discomfort. And retreat practice is a kind of invitation to move from a mode of getting what we want into a mode of, uh, of learning from life. And it feels different, and it's uh, nourishing in a different way. This is Thomas Merton, Trappist monk. Uh, He said, uh, to allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, To want to help everyone in everything, is to succumb to the violence of our times. Some of us need to discover that we will not to begin to live more fully until we have the courage to do and see and taste the experience. uh, To do and see and taste and experience much less than usual. For a person who's let themselves be drawn completely out of themselves by activity, nothing's more challenging than to sit still and rest, doing nothing at all. The very act of resting is the hardest and most courageous act a person can perform. It's not the case for everyone, but um, a lot of... And, and it sounds like I'm like doing the hard sell on retreats here, like I need to fill a retreat I'm teaching you know, next week or something. <laughs> I don't mean to sound too evangelical about it. But um, uh, a lot of people report that, uh, that their sense of their practice their practice really began when they went into this silence. That the, um, it's not, again, to be dismissive of daily practice, but there's a sense that they actually needed the container, they needed this kind of, the structure, the simplicity, the camaraderie, the sangha, they needed the kind of the silence actually to get more deeply in touch with what they care about most and so uh, a lot of uh, people find like when they actually sort of th- tell the story of their practice retreat was a kind of formative beginning and it, at some level, it is, it's always, uh, it's always surprising. Yeah. Like, I was so nervous about sort of like planning out. I was like, okay, here are my, like, kind of core neurotic patterns. I know those are going to come up with a vengeance, you know. What else might come up, and how am I going to navigate them, and what's it going to be like? And we all kind of like try to actually uh, engineer the whole experience, but part of retreat is like we have to let go. We have to, uh, we get to ex- be surprised by ourselves. And to be consciously surprised by ourselves is at the heart of this path. You know? Does that make sense? Like you know that sense of like being surprised by yourself, and maybe it's like difficult news, or maybe it's good news. But just in that surprise, there's there's real learning actually that happens. Like this is actually the nature of insight, is it's always a little bit startling. It's always like, maybe there was some dim sense of the understanding, but then the dots like suddenly connect in a very clear way. And we actually, the heart like opens to the Dharma in a different way. people often have the experience of having some uh, kind of, there's some liberating moment, there's some powerful moment of clarity, of love, of forgiveness, and it happens when they hear something they've heard a thousand times before. Let go. Be gentle, or you are not who you think you are. But it's like the ground—the uh, the ground is becomes more fertile, and in the silence, there's a kind of certain receptivity and pliability of the mind, and so we can actually hear things in a deeper way and be surprised. Be like genuinely surprised. And that surprise, it carries a kind of emotional charge with it. And it it makes a deep impression on the mind. Insights, they they have legs a lot of times because they're, they're paired with like a strong emotional sense. And so retreat is, is by its nature surprising. Um, Oscar Wilde said that the secret of life is to appreciate the pleasure of being terribly, terribly deceived. Like a favorite quote of mine. Uh, I don't know what that says about me, but... Um, yeah, that, you know, the, the experience of like, how do we, what does it feel like to wake up to delusion? What does it feel like to um, to notice something that's been flavoring the mind for a long time? What is that actually like? And it is, it is startling. It is startling. We are all, um, in a sense, looking for a way of living that works, right? We're looking for a way of living that works for ourselves and for our families and communities, or society more broadly. And we don't often think of ourselves in this way, but you could say that we are all um, philosophers of happiness. That we've all developed a kind of philosophy of what the good life is, of what it means to be happy of how one gets happy. We all have that philosophy and in a certain sense we're, we're living that philosophy. We're playing that out. We're playing out what our ideas about happiness are, of what, what's going to deliver for us. You know. And part of what we actually get to see in retreat is what we believe about happiness what we believe about what's possible what we the ways in which we've equated pleasure and happiness the ways in which we've equated the absence of difficulty and happiness and in retreat we actually get to see how what what is our philosophy of happiness and so you could say that we, we come on retreat to understand what can and cannot make us happy. The Buddha said that we were kind of... Um, we, we didn't fully respect how happy a human being could be. And we actually underestimated what the, the capacity of the heart. So we in our lives were're um, quite naturally focused on um, arranging the conditions of our life to, our liking, you know. And that's a huge part of what we have to do as human beings. We need to, like, take care of things and make sure we have food and shelter and all these things. Uh, but what gets lost in that is that the mind mediates all experience. You know? And so we, we don't often you know, turn to actually look at the mind itself and what it's doing to experience. This is Sam Harris. Um, Our minds are all we have. They're all we've ever had. And they're all we can offer others. Most of us could easily compile a list of goals we want to achieve or personal problems that need to be solved. But what's the real significance of every item on such a list? Everything we want to accomplish is something that promises, if done, it would allow us to finally relax and enjoy our lives in the present. Generally speaking, this is a false hope. I'm not denying the importance of achieving one's goals, maintaining one's health, or keeping one's children clothed and fed. But most of us spend our time seeking happiness and security without acknowledging the underlying purpose of our search. Each of us is looking for a path back to the present we are trying to find good enough reasons to be satisfied now. Trying to find good enough reasons to be satisfied now. Quite naturally, we... um, spend our lives trying to optimize the conditions of our life and to arrange conditions how we want them. Um, But we do forget that, that what we care about most deeply is the quality of conscious experience in this moment. And we're so intent on kind of arranging the future to be how we want, that we forget that everything we're doing, in a sense, is so that sometime we might be able to experience peace in the moment. But only ever seeing happiness in the future, when we finally arrange life how we want, this is problematic. And it keeps us, it makes us feel like we should always be worrying about something. You know? That's the sense, like, yeah, maybe this moment is actually okay, but we should always, we can't waste this moment, not worry <laughs> it, right? You know, like, like, all right, it's kind of calm now, but let's let's not squander this peace here. You know. um, and retreat really brings home this kind of clarity around. Uh, oh, our minds are in us. In one sense, all we have, and what we care about most is what's what, our. Relation to what's arising in this moment. And so the there's this kind of... Um, a clarity that kind of dawns around um, in just seeing the ways in which clinging uh, can never fully satisfy the heart. You know, that that the kind of compulsive attempt to like rearrange all of our lives to like finally get it just so that this this arises out of clinging, and that clinging is always like a little unsettling for our hearts. And so um, we are actually practicing in a way, not getting what we want, but but letting go, and in that process, um, there's this kind of um, this this longing that we start to notice um, that you know we thought we wanted life to be just so but what we really deeply long for is peace you know that's sort of what's what's closest to the heart is like all of the activities of body and mind in a certain way are in service of fostering peace and so um, I think we actually really underestimate, um, we underestimate two things, and it's kind of two insights that often arise together on retreat. Um, we, We underestimate how intense it is to be human, And we underestimate the capacity of the heart. That we, we actually, you know, part of this, the, the silent sitting and walking, it's not meant to, like, torture people. We don't set up the schedule to be, like, intentionally create suffering for people. Um, But in that simplicity, when we actually can't reach for all of the little, our palliative kind of measures, when we don't have the kind of, like when I don't have my iPhone, and I'm a little disoriented, we actually get to see, in a certain sense, like the baseline level of intensity of just being human. Like, what is it like when you have lovely people cooking for you when you have no responsibilities other than to just show up and sit? How intense is life? Remarkably intense, yeah? For those who have been on retreat, you know it's like, whoa, this is what it's like to be human? This is what it's like just to be alive? And that intensity can be kind of, uh, yeah, almost startling not in a bad way but it's just uh, it's i was just so surprised like wow this, it is like it's like really intense to be human and in a certain sense i had missed that in my normal life because i was sort of dampening the intensity with other things you know with you know reaching out for in various kinds of pleasures which is is fine but it actually obscures the intensity of being human and when we are when we're trying to constantly soothe intensity by piling on more intensity you know it it actually it kind of fatigues something in the heart. It le- creates a little sense of alienation from alienation from life. You know that experience of like something intense is going, and so you, we just like pile on some other intensity to like quell that the first intensity. And then at the end of the night, you know, it's like. Well, we know what it's like, yeah, Just, And uh, you know, so here, like in practicing in, in the retreat, we're, we're sort of trying to to meet and meet the intensity of being human, not with more something, but with relaxation and ease, wisdom. So we, we, in our daily life, we can miss the intensity, but we also really kind of miss the nobility, the beautiful qualities of the heart. Some people just, uh, it, it's not until they actually dwell a bit in the silence that they see sort of uh, yeah the depths of of kindness and care of of ecstatic joy compassion like in the intensity and the kind of um, hyper stimulation of of uh daily life it actually kind of obscures this, some of these qualities of the heart so one one uh, kind of st- story that 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 um, Reminds me of what, what we're doing in this practice is uh, maybe I've shared it here. Uh, a friend of mine was at uh, was doing a dance workshop, and uh, and it was it was not it was not a um, it was not like classic you know it was not like ballet it was it was a kind of dance where you're like putting your mind into your body you're finding ways of using dance to express your autobiography in a way you know it's quite beautiful you know and so it's it's just um, it's just like how do how do we let the body speak you know and the music is always good and you know so it's just like okay it's a very expressive mode. And at some point in this you know, two- or three-day workshop, the teacher said, Okay, I want you to turn to somebody. It's whatever, hundred people, strangers, doing the workshop together. I want you to turn to somebody. And here's your assignment. For the next two hours, you're going to dance together. And your job is to fall in love with them. And when he first kind of said that, like, I was like a little struck, uh, startled almost, like, I'm not going to ask you to do it, by the way. Uh, Next two hours, dance with this person, this stranger, and fall in love with them. And I imagined what that would be like I imagine what it would be like to, uh, to look into someone's eyes and uh, to see them actually uh, trying to express their life and to see all of the kind of joy and sorrow and vulnerability, the vulnerability of just the very gesture of expressing something that way. And looking into their eyes through all of that, it's not hard for me to imagine uh, falling in love with, with them. And in our practice, we don't have the partner but we're, we're really offering our life, our attention. Our, we're offering ourselves the same quality of attention. And in retreat, somehow, there's a, a kind of just this heartfelt uh, clarity of what it's like to be us. What it's like to live our life. And it it becomes uh, so so touching, you know? and from that kind of sense of poignancy, so so much goodness unfolds. Uh, it's easy to get um, too serious on retreat. In fact, that's probably the default position, is there's a. Uh, we get too serious, but I take a lot of heart in Suzuki Roshi's comment. Uh, he said, uh, What we're doing here is so important we better not take it too seriously. <laughs> you know? And uh, the truth is that this, one of the main kind of arcs of practice, kind of one of the trajectories of growth is that um, uh, there, is, there is a kind of the reverence for our life the reverence for life itself grows, for sure. But there is more and more lightness and ease and humor. There is more and more just the sense of of, uh, spaciousness and almost like the playfulness of life. Sometimes I sound too serious. Sometimes I even sound depressed. <laughs> Don't laugh that hard. <laughs> but honestly, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's light inside, actually. It's very, it's very, that's one of the effects of practice, I think, is there's just this kind of a lightness And uh, yeah, well, as we open to the intensity of being human, as we see the kind of ways the mind uh, can complicate our lives, and um, as we see the kind of blamelessness of all our bad habits, you know, and they are you know, even, even our worst habits in their own weird way are trying to take care of ourselves. You know? And we actually see, like, uh, we see the blamelessness of... the blamelessness, ultimately, of experience itself, of its arising, its passing. And... Uh, we we start to take a sense of uh, sense of refuge in the the flow of experience, and there's a lot of lightness and flexibility and spaciousness as we start to make our home more and more the flow of experience, arising and passing as awareness starts to become more and more of a kind of refuge. On retreat, we know, we, we sort of have, are confronted by two choices. Either we're gonna let go, or we're gonna really suffer. You know? Yeah, maybe both, we alternate, yeah. But there is this sense of, like, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to let go. And to let go is really to let go into the flow of experience, pleasant and unpleasant. And that starts to feel safer and safer to do that. We start to develop a kind of confidence in letting go. And the mindfulness um, makes our makes our inner life feel safe. You know, all of this is available to us in this very moment. And retreat is supportive. Sit for a moment. Sensing the goodness of coming together in this way, and whatever goodness is present in the room, they It reminds you of your own goodness. Whatever joy, wisdom, freedom that is yours, may this be shared with all who you encounter. May our lives be, in some small way, a quiet blessing for others. A cause of less suffering, more safety. you have a good uh, have a good week thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate